and welcome to episode number 150 of the Lions podcast. My name is Matt Brown, joined each and every week by Brett Colson. We run down all the big news, all the big happenings, all the big bets in this crazy gambling industry. Brett, we made it to 150 episodes. I'm glad to have uh, all of the listeners that listen. I'm glad to have all the viewers that are viewing this on online. All of you, and, and you know what? That you pay so much attention that you remember to come remind me on Twitter how heavy I was on the Steelers, and you wanted to <laughs> and you wanted to remind me multiple times how heavy I was on the Steelers. I'm glad you did because I had forgotten for sure. I did not I did not re- remember just uh, just how heavy I was on the Steelers. So I'm glad that you guys came and reminded me of that. So we're uh, we're definitely happy to have all of you guys here. And uh, you know, listen, hopefully we make it another 150. Maybe we make it another 1500. Brett, who knows? But uh, this has been it's been a great ride and uh, to make it 150 uh, thanks to everybody out there for the support yeah yeah thanks to everyone out there for reminding us of all the of all the losers we we definitely appreciate <laughs> that I will get into it but man I, I don't know what the hell that Steelers game was <laughs> yeah pretty crazy by the time you guys are hearing this there will we will have already crowned a national champion mm-hmm. in uh, football so not going to really get into that all too much if you happen to be one of the very first people to ingest this um, it, you know, look, it's a, uh, that line has gotten so inflated at this point, uh, everybody coming in and, and betting so hard on Alabama. I think the value is gone. I thought it was there when it was at seven. Now that it's at eight and a half, uh, this is just going to be a, a sit back and watch for me, Brett. Same. Yeah. Um, well, look, 74 and a half total. So, uh, we should at least be in for some points. That should exactly. be fine. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. So look, let's uh, let's not waste any time here and let's get into what we uh, you know, what we saw happen this past week and then what that means moving forward for us here. Um, obviously, there's going to be some, uh, you know, obviously, there's going to be some some of the stuff that we take with us from this past week into this week. There's going to be some stuff that we'll just be talking about kind of on a macro level. But, uh, you know, first and foremost, let's you know, we can start off the Buffalo Bills, your your Buffalo Bills go out. They get it done um, with with that, Brett. I mean, look, was it as convincing maybe as I was thinking that it was going to be? No, but a win is a win is a win against a good Colts team. I mean, this and, and listen, the Colts played about as good as they could possibly play and the Bills still won. Like the, the Bills got the A plus effort out of the Colts team and still were able to win. Allen was still able to go over 300 yards, 324 to be exact. Um, got a nice, got a, got a course, you know, very timely first downs picked up with his legs, 54 yards rushing as well, including a touchdown. Steph Diggs just continues to do Steph Diggs things. Gabriel Davis stepping up for this team. Cole Beasley gutting it out after uh, having to miss last week and everything. And so, listen, you got Phillip Rivers' best shot at you. You survived. You move on. What do you take away from this game for the Bills? Yeah, survived is a good word because the Colts could have, won this football game. I mean, they were there the entire way. That fourth and goal at the end of the first half really changed everything. Like, instead of 17-7 there, the Bills get the ball and drive it 96 yards down the field, and you get a 14-13 game. Uh, yeah. I, Allen was fine. The offense was fine. There are concerns, though, that this defense is not going to be good enough to make stops against some of these elite offenses that they're going to see here as we get closer to uh, where the games matter most. And, you know, eventually, you know, if, look, if they win this coming week, then you're going to have the Chiefs. You're going to have possibly the the Packers. What can this defense do against those offenses? That's that's the big question right now. So, um, so- yeah, I mean, listen, offensive line woes for sure from an injury standpoint from the Colts, but it was one of the better offensive lines all season long. With that, I mean, Phillip Rivers did not get sacked in the game the entire time and pretty much had all the time in the world in the pocket, which I think when uh, kind of alluding to what you're alluding to here, that if they're not able to generate any sort of pressure at all moving forward, eventually it's going to catch up to them like it did, you know, game we'll talk about in just a little while. But so that is one of the things I think if you're a Bills fan, you're happy you won. You did win on it and getting a team's very best effort and you still won. So there's that. But um, 
you got to be concerned that Philip Rivers was able to sit in that pocket all day long and basically do whatever he wanted to. He finishes with 309 yards, two touchdowns, no picks, and again, was not sacked a single time in that game. So I think as we move forward, handicapping this Bills team, Brett, it's gonna, it really is going to come down to you know, these matchups and if they cannot generate any pressure like they didn't this past week, just how damning and how damaging is that going to be, especially when it comes to a point spread standpoint? Because if somebody would have told me that they didn't get to Phillip Rivers a single time throughout the course of a game, I probably would have come in on the Colts in this thing. I mean, look, I had the Bills in a teaser. It worked out fine, and, and that was a winner. But, um, you know, a lot of times we can look at at just certain little statistics and if they if they are, you know, really stand out, you can kind of almost figure out how the game was going to go without even seeing the score. And, you know, if Phillip Rivers was able to sit back there and just and, and just have all the all the time in the world, then you probably would have figured that the Colts were in this thing. Yeah, not just pressure, but like leverage in the run game. The Bills have struggled with that for years. And what did we see? We saw Taylor and Naheem Hines run the ball 27 times for 152 yards. I mean, they just kind of had their way. They controlled the time of possession. They kept Josh off the field for like the entire first half. So I was very nervous about where that game was headed. And and look, if it's 17, seven and a half, can the bills do enough in the second half to, to come back and win that game? I I don't know. So uh, definitely like only one quarterback hit as well. So not only did they not sack right. Philip Rivers, they only hit him one time, you know, so that just lets you know how little pressure he yeah. felt all day long. So uh, let's look at the second game here. And this is one that uh, no look for me, no real surprise. Uh, you know, we were sitting here saying we wanted to be on the Rams so badly. And then, and Sean McVay kind of screwed us from that standpoint. He really did keep it to himself all the way up until kickoff, essentially. Jay Glazer finally broke the news about a half an hour before the game was going to kick off. Not enough time for that line to run for us to get in on the Rams. It only ticked up about a half a point because, again, there was only about a half hour. And you had to be on Twitter anyway like to, to be able to figure it out. I mean, it's just there was... It was not good for betters. And of course it played out like we thought the Rams defense dominated and it wasn't even, it didn't even matter that the quarterback play wasn't all that good because their defense dominated a very poor game plan by Seattle. And it would have played out for us perfectly to bet on. But again, uh, Sean McVay kind of screwed us from that standpoint. I think the only thing that I take away from this Brett is, uh, you know, listen, We talk about head coaching all the time. We talk about why we like some of these teams, why we like the Bills with McDermott and Dable, why we like, uh, you know, the Saints with with Sean Payton, why you like some of these other teams, Harbaugh and the Ravens. These other teams that have these coaching weaknesses, specifically like a Seahawks, Pete Carroll with his ancient line of thinking, his ancient way of doing things and stuff like these teams are just going to be fades come playoff time because once they get matched up with other teams that have good coaching, it's just, there's just no, there's just no chance for these teams. And, you know, Russell Wilson got neutered for the whole second half of the season. Didn't let him do anything he wanted to. Carol comes out today on Monday saying, what's your plan for 2021 that they need to run the ball more. Like the first thing he said was they need to run the ball more and, and like just totally ignoring what was working for them at the beginning of the season yeah. and, and all that. And so I think a, a very valuable betting lesson here for everybody is you, you get to the playoffs, you get these weak coaches going up against good coaches. You got to factor that in maybe even more than we already do. Yeah. And it's not just, it's not just like pregame planning, which but yeah, you're right. I mean, they, they were not prepared for this game at all. Like the Rams had, they basically did whatever they wanted. And, Mm -hmm. but it's the in-game. It's the in-game stuff too. Like Carol is so far behind. These ancient coaches, these dinosaurs are so far behind these analytics guys who do everything right in-game, go for it on fourth down. It's just, they're costing themselves like percentage points really in, in like at the time, but you add those up, you compile those throughout mm-hmm. the season. They matter so much and you know, no time more important than the playoffs. So it's, yeah, like you said, it's really hard to back some of these coaches uh, when it matters most. And Carol was not ready for that game on, on Saturday. No. Absolutely pathetic performance by the Seahawks. Uh, there were over 500 games of like, you know, or well, 500 teams that were graded, obviously whenever you, whenever you can, multiply how many games there were and then and then multiply the teams 
And that was in the bottom, that was in the bottom five percentile of games all year long. Um, as far as that were that were graded, you know, each team wise from an EPA standpoint, that's how badly they put their team behind the eight ball here. It's just 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 so so bad. Um, from a Bucks Washington standpoint, I don't know if there's a ton to take away here other than the fact that maybe a star was born, yeah. certainly a cult hero in Taylor Heineke, le- leaves the game with an injury, comes immediately right back to stay in, throws for over 300 yards against this uh, Tampa Bay defense that is, you know, pretty damn good, this Tampa Bay defense, and was pretty damn good the majority of the season long. But um, the other thing is just the... Uh, the talk of Tom Brady's demise is uh, has been greatly exaggerated. He goes for 381 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. And then when you go and you really dig in, Brett, which I did before this game, you know, went off. And, man, I'll admit when I'm wrong. Listen, if we're going to take victory laps when we're right, we're going to admit when we're wrong. I thought Brady was completely washed. I thought he was completely donezo. And... Honestly, the dude can still sling it. He can't get out of the pocket. He self-sacks. He can't run out of sight in a half an hour. All that stuff is the truth still, but he can still sling the ball and he puts the ball down the field and he's taking advantage of these weapons that he's got and these guys. And listen, his his stats would be much better, by the way. Chris Godwin had the worst game of his entire mm-hmm. career and they still were able to win this game. I mean, Chris Godwin typically catches anything within a 15-foot radius and he had Five drops, five Chris Godwin in one game. It was just, it was so weird to see that happen. Um, and, and Brady still goes for 381 with the way that that turned out. Um, I think this Bucks team might end up being dangerous, Brett. I think this Bucks team might be one that, uh, that here, you know, kind of peaking at the right point. And if anything, you're going to get a healthier version of them next week as well. Mike Evans, another week to kind of get a little bit more healthy. Uh, I think this Bucks team is pretty scary. Yeah, it's funny. Coming coming into the year, I was looking for every opportunity to fade this team because of all the steam coming in with the sexy free agent signings. But now, I, yeah, I'm with you. I, I really do think they are best set up to make a deep run at this thing. I said that last week. I thought they'd be in the Super Bowl, and I, I do think they're trending that way. Yeah, this, this Tampa-Washington game was funny because Tampa was basically like, okay, let's let, let this kid try to beat us. Like, they blitzed him. Like, these Washington receivers were open, and the Bucks challenged Heineke to make throws. Like, step up and make these throws, and he did. So, good for him. I mean, that was, that was kind of a, a fun watch. Washington was actually alive there at the end, but... And um, and as part as far as the throws too, like the the stuff he did with his legs, I think were yeah. even was even more important because uh, two of those runs were third and long, and he was able to convert with his legs. One, of course, was that amazing touchdown run where he just leapt and and hit the pylon with the ball and all that. So, I mean, look, is he the quarterback of the future for Washington? No, but um, I think it was fun. I think it was a, a cool little story to root for and all that. But I think Washington is another one of these teams, and we'll we'll talk about it here in, in just a second. But another one of these teams that there's some talent there in Washington on both sides of the ball and um, just a couple of adjustments. And they might be a team that we're really going to be worrying with. But first and foremost, they're going to have to figure out what to do at the quarterback position. Yeah, they they followed the the same build as the 49ers who were just in the the Super Bowl last year. They're so strong up front, rushing the rushing the passer. That's where they won games this year, really. But they are really lacking on the offensive side of the ball. They need some kind of. I mean, obviously they need a quarterback, but uh, you know there there are some pieces there with McLaurin and Gibson that that give some give them some playmaking playmaking ability. But man, they they mm-hmm. need they need some kind of quarterback to to have any kind of chance there. They do very badly. Um, we talked about the Leonard Fournette rushing prop in this game. <laughs> Hopefully you got on that one as it cleared on the first drive of the game. So that was, uh, that was great. If anybody got on the over 20 and a half Lenny yards, like 23 on the first, on the first series of the game. So uh, hopefully you were able to get there on that one because yeah, it was, uh, it was home quickly. Nothing like having a winner before the, the, the quarter is over. Uh, in one of these games now on Sunday, look, we can, uh, the, the, the Titans and the Ravens, this went kind of like I thought, you know, I mean, look, I, I, this is not a, a two, two to the horn here, anything like that, but 
look, the Ravens defense, I mean, the Titans defense is just bad. And when they needed to make stops, they were not able to do it. Then you had Vrabel make bonehead decisions with mm-hmm. wind, uh, with punting the ball when, you know, listen, using the thing, using these this coach speak of, oh yeah, we were just, we did, you know, we had the momentum. We needed to make a stop and whatever. Like if, if you believe momentum is a real thing, it's no such thing. There's no, no such thing as momentum. Make the calls that make your team have a more, a, a larger chance of winning the game, not because of momentum and not because and like, the, yeah, the I, defense, the defense was yeah. playing well. Like, what are you talking yeah, one about? One of the worst man? defenses in the league. Yeah. One of the worst defenses all year long in the league. And he was like, yeah, well, the defense was playing well, I mean, like, I, I don't even know what you're talking about right there. The Baltimore Ravens run for 236 yards, including 136 of those by Lamar Jackson. Uh, he was fairly efficient throwing the ball 17 of 24 as well. Um, Look, this is just uh, th- what can what really can we say about this game? It was basically, you know, the Superman meme where like it's the two Supermans like pointing at each other or whatever. That's basically what this game was. It's like both teams that want to run the ball super heavily. If they are successful in doing so, they're probably going to win the game. If they're not, then they're probably going to lose. And that's kind of what we saw here with the Titans. They want to run the ball a ton. They gave Derrick Henry, you know, as many carries as they could. But, you know, 18 for 40 yards, the the Ravens told you what they were going to do. They were going to load the box and they were going to say, Tannehill, you and A.J. Brown and Anthony Ferkser and, you know, Jonu Smith and and all these guys, y'all are going to have to beat us through the air. And um, they were just not able to get it done. It worked on one drive and it looked like this thing might get out of hand. Yeah. Actually, it looked like the Titans were going to be able to, to light them up through the air all day long. And there were some adjustments made on the Ravens side of the ball. So credit to them. But at the end of the day, like we said, this was a horrible defense. And then the Ravens essentially just kind of bully balled them, right? They just dictated how they wanted to to run this game. And that's the way that it went for the rest of the course of the afternoon. They win 20 to 13. They cover the three, they cover the three and a half. It doesn't matter where you got this. They covered it. And, you know, we look back and it's kind of like, Hey, these two teams who are exactly who we thought they were in this game played out pretty much kind of how we thought it was going to play out. I did. I did expect a few more points though. (laughs) That went a little (laughs) under where I thought it was going to end up, but yeah, I was worried. I I was worried about the Titans in, in negative game flow. And I mean, we saw where they, they but they like we we talked about it on a Friday. They've been bullying teams on the ground all year when they are ahead in a football game. When they're playing from behind, they've been a very different team, very two faced offense this year, and they really struggle to get anything going when playing from behind on Sunday. So really, no no big surprises here. This is where the advanced analytics kind of fool you a little bit, Brett, because like you know Tannehill one of the highest rated passers this year, this offense, one of the highest rated offenses this year, but you really, you really did. And this is, you know, this Brett, you and I are both analytics guys. We both love numbers. We both love the advanced statistics. However, I think guys like us that watch every single game and watch every game every week and understand that like, yeah, I understand why this offense is so highly rated because when they're rolling and they're ahead, they are unstoppable. And right. and whenever Derrick Henry is doing his thing and you don't know that Ryan Tannehill is going to drop back and pass every single time and you can hit A.J. Brown for these like crazy plays and stuff. Yes, this offense is amazing. But when they get behind, like we're talking about, and when there is no threat of Derrick Henry running the ball like there was in this game where he was 2.2 yards per carry, and you know that they're going to throw the ball, and you know they have to throw the ball, it is just a tale of two teams, two completely different um, all year long. I mean, the the times the Titans could not do anything was when they had to get away from what is a very balanced offense of running as much as they can and then throwing when they kind of have to. And so... uh, you know, I think a lot of people, I think a lot of people only look at those stats and we use them as more of a guide, right? Like we kind of, we look at them and like, it's, it's something for us to research a little bit further, maybe go look at a couple of all 22s on some things and figure things out from there. But, uh, I think this is another kind of betting thing that we can, a betting lesson in all this that you'll hear us talk about DVOA and you'll hear us talk about PFF and you'll hear us talk about adjusted rate, this adjusted rate, that, and blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, those should only be guides and they should not be kind of the end all be all. It's a good starting point. And I like to use the the full season sample to get uh, a better idea of what a team really is. But 
team, teams change week to week. I mean, teams get better mm-hmm. at certain things. They adjust how they run an offense. Players get healthier. Like, there's a lot that happens in such a short season that you really have to weigh what happened last week a little more than what's happened, what happened five weeks ago or over the whole course of the season. So really, it's, it's a, not an easy thing because, you know, again, we're, we're working with such small samples, but mm-hmm. use your eyeballs. Look at what's happened over the past couple weeks versus the entire season and kind of build your, your model or your, you know, the way you handicap games around that. You just you can't look at just DVOA for the whole season to. Like identify what a team really is, mm-hmm. it's just not it's not there. Saints and the Bears with the second game on Sunday. Saints win 21 to 9. They cover. Um, doesn't matter what number you got them at, they covered. You have Drew Brees go for 265 and two touchdowns. Alvin Kamara stopped one yard short of going for 100. Deontay Harris was actually the, the receiver that was targeted most often by Drew Brees in this game, which is pretty interesting. Michael Thomas does come back after being activated off of IR, five for 73 and a touchdown for him on the other side of the ball. It was just a lot of the same that we saw from this, from this bears team all year long bread. And this is why we were saying that it was either lay it with the, with the saints or pass because our big question was where in the hell are the points going to come from for the bears? And look, there was literally a walk-off touchdown that made this nine points, but this was a three point game. The saints held them to three points this entire game long And, you know, this is uh, a couple of takeaways here. One, the Bears are who we thought they were. Two, this Saints defense, despite despite facing, you know, this kind of mediocre at best offense that is the Bears, this Saints defense is for real. And that's why I am so, so, so excited for this Saints and Bucks game that is going to be coming up this week because it is a matchup of two teams that are doing kind of everything they need to be doing at the right time. And it is going to be a hell of a matchup here. But this Saints defense, Brett, this is where the advanced analytics and the and the metrics and the grades that we get from PFF matches up with what you get with the eye test as well. They are flying all over the place, doing everything at every level. You can't run against them. You can't pass against them. They get pressure on the quarterback, like pretty much everything you want in a defense the Saints team is doing. Yeah, this game kind of played out exactly how I thought. As far as the points went, my favorite, it was this is my favorite play of the week was the under, and this mm-hmm. didn't come anywhere near the uh the total of what was it? I think it closed like 48. But yeah, they you know they got the you got the garbage touchdown there from the Bears, you got a defensive touchdown from the Saints. I mean, that's this, this this had no chance of ever going over the total because these two teams, that's just not mm-hmm. how these two teams operate. And we talked about that last week. That that's it's so important to look at what two teams do, uh, like what how they operate offensively, what kind of pace do they run at. Do they throw the ball downfield? Can they hit you with a splash play? Neither of these teams do any of that. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, uh, really happy that that one came to, came in. And then finally, um, I think this is the this is the one here where everything was all fine and dandy. Like, uh, I mean, five games, five games went how we kind of thought. Mm-hmm. Everything was rocking and rolling. I was like, oh, I'm about to have a monster week because. This was the game that I was most confident about in the fact that the Steelers were going to be able to go in and blow out this horrible Browns defense. And it was going to be, Oh, I'm coasting to this awesome weekend. And that ended up not being the case. The Browns had 28 points before the first quarter was over and had a 28 to nothing lead. Now, after it was 28 to nothing, the Steelers did outscore them 37 to 20 the rest of the way, but that still equals a 48 to 37 loss. Um, Brett, right from the get go, bad snap. Ben Roethlisberger runs back, gets to the ball. This guy's been in the league 17 years, 17 years. He doesn't fall on it. He doesn't kick it out of the back of the end zone. He sat, he sat there and he looked at James Conner as if to say, hey, bro, you fall on it. I'm not going to fall on it or you kick it. I'm not going to kick it. Well, I don't what know happens if he can is, fall on it. I mean, the, it, the guy I mean, is so stiff. Can he actually like make I don't that even know. fall on I know. I, I don't even know. But I'm sitting there screaming at the television like, what are you doing? And then, of course... The Browns run up and recover it and score a touchdown. And it's like, this guy's been in the league 17 years. Like, there's no excuse for not even attempting to fall on or kick a ball 
at the one yard line out the back of the end zone. So you don't give up a touchdown. You at least only give up a safety and whatever. But instead, Ben Roethlisberger does that. It was just started the avalanche of terrible from there. He comes back with a horrible pick. He throws another horrible pick. Next thing you know, they're down 28, nothing. And when you're down 28, nothing, Brett, it doesn't matter. Like I said, that they outscored them 37 to 20, the rest of the way, it still equals a bad loss here. Um, this team, we had been preaching for a while that we thought that, you know, throughout the course of the middle of the season, they could find trouble come playoff time because of this offense and them not being able to move the ball and whatever. However, it doesn't matter how bad your offense is or how good your defense is. If you, if you just hand the other team a 28 point, if you just spot them a 28 point lead, uh, there's, there's nothing you can do about that at all. Um, Ben Roethlisberger finishes with four picks in the game. Um, you know, people want to talk about, like I said, I, I was, I was on team Brady's washed. I was kind of like, ah, Bree's got a little bit of a noodle arm, you know, Philip rivers. Yeah. He's washed, whatever. Give me five more seasons of any of those guys over one more season of Ben Roethlisberger. He has looked horrible for a while now. And I think this game really drove home. It does not matter what the final box score says that 500 yards he threw for is as empty of 500 yards as you were ever going to see. The Browns went into prevent instantly early in the game. Of course you would. You're up 28 points. So that was an empty 500 yards for Ben Roethlisberger. He played terribly, Brett, and it makes you wonder if that was the last time we see him out on a football field. I think it might be. I was saying, like, where's Mason Rudolph in the first quarter? That yeah. was how bad Big Ben was. He, he, he's done. Like, you you look at, just look at the numbers, and the numbers tell us, tell us really how bad he is. Like, you look at Breeze and Brady, like, yeah, they're not who they were, but these offenses are still, like, top 10 in the NFL. They're mm-hmm. still scoring points. They're moving the ball down the field. The Steelers haven't had any of that all season long. Like, they, they really got exposed in this game. They really got exposed the last like six, seven weeks of the year. And once again, it's, it's, it comes down to the quarterback. This team was a quarterback away from really making a splash this year. And they wasted another year with this elite defense because they can't score points on offense. And they never had a chance really to go deep in this, in this thing. I, I guess I got fooled. I mean, I, I, I'm with you. I, this was my most confident spread play. I thought the Steelers were going to wipe the floor with the Browns. because The Browns, were really just the over I thought they overperformed all year but uh, maybe they didn't maybe they didn't catch a break all year and they finally ran above expectation on Sunday night I don't know but uh man the Steelers are in trouble I I don't know how this team uh, it's probably a good team to fade next year the uh the other thing here that I think was super telling yes they they definitely spotted them you know the turnovers and things like that but this defense Brett led the league in sacks led the league in pressures They were third overall in quarterback hits. Baker Mayfield, not sacked a single time in this game. Baker Mayfield, not hit a single time in this game. Not one quarterback hit, not one sack for this defense that led the league in sacks, led the league in hurries, and and, and was third in the league in quarterback hits. And, um... You look at that and I don't know, it's kind of inexplicable because you had a team that practiced one time all week, Brett. They were without their offensive line coach, Brett. They had they had injuries on the offensive line, Brett, and still this defense that was, you know, elite all year long at doing what exactly what you need to do against Baker Mayfield. You get Baker Mayfield time. He's a pretty good quarterback in the NFL. He's very Jared Goffish whenever he's under pressure. He makes mistakes. He does stupid things, but he didn't have the opportunity to do that because they didn't get any pressure on him. It makes me I, I'm I'm baffled as to how this went down. It's almost like not having Kevin Stefanski around and simplifying this offense helped them. They just like dumped it off a lot to these running yeah. backs and kept things really short, close to the line of scrimmage with like Jarvis Landry and these receivers. It, yeah, I thought the game plan was brilliant. Obviously, look, I mean, they were in positive scripting the entire yeah. way. They could do whatever they wanted, really. They didn't have to sit back and, you know, Baker didn't have to drop back a lot playing from behind, which is where, I mean, that's where the Steelers thrive is, you know, force the guy to have to throw yeah. down the field in negative script. They didn't have any of that yesterday. So everything kind of played out optimally for the Browns against this defense. All right, Brett. Well, let's take a look here at the games as we move forward 
into this coming week. We have two games on Saturday, two games on Sunday. Of course, the Rams do advance, and with that, that got them a date with the Green Bay Packers up at Lambeau. This thing is sitting at 7 right now. It was 7 when it opened, and it is still sitting at 7, um, which is interesting to me in favor of the Packers. A total of 46 or 45 and a half, depending on where you get it. 46 at DraftKings, 45 and a half at FanDuel, 46 at PointsBet, 45 and a half at BetMGM. So you have your choice as to how you want to go about the total. There are some options for you out there. Of course, we know Green Bay coming off of a buy. Green Bay may be the only spot outside of Buffalo. Maybe you could throw Buffalo in there. This year, if you talk about home field advantage, without there being crowds, without there being, you know, the advantage of people not being able to hear snap counts and everything like that, if there is any sort of home field advantage, it might be playing in the absolutely freezing cold, miserable temperatures up in up in Green Bay uh, this time of year. So even though they'll have a handful of, of fans in there, I think they allow something 4,500 fans or something. So not enough to, to make a difference from that standpoint. But, you know, just the elements uh, playing there. And now you get a dome team, a California team in the Rams heading up to play this Green Bay Packers team. Again, spread of seven, total of 45 and a half for 46. Uh, initial thoughts on this one. Uh, I think this is the end of the road for the Rams. Uh, you know, they yeah. did it with defense last week against an inept offensive game plan from Seattle. And like, that's great. It worked for them. But uh, this is a different animal in Green Bay this week. This is this is strength on strength. The league's number one offense against the league's number one defense. But it's 2021. I mean, offense has the built in advantage because of the rules that are in place now in the NFL. So advantage there to Green Bay. And then the Rams are severely hurting at quarterback right now kudos to jared goff for for giving it a try yeah. and, and not handing the game to seattle uh, uh on saturday uh but they need to score points in this game you got to keep up with green bay and while this green bay run defense is gettable and the rams are really good at running the football i i just don't see the rams being able to put up enough points here with the injuries that they have yep. cooper cup and jared goff I mean, already Jared Goff playing in these elements is is enough reason for enough reason for me to fade him. But with the with the thumb, I mean, it's just everything going against the Rams here. So uh, I capped this at seven and a half here early, early in the week. It's it's seven now. So that's that kind of tells you where I am on this game right now. I thought it was going to be I thought this was going to open at eight and a half after what we saw go down with the Rams um, on Sunday. So that's why. That I thought this was going to go down. I, I thought for sure this was going to be eight and a half. So when it opened at seven, I put a seven in my account and I'm still okay with putting a seven in my account right now with this Packers team, because I still think this team has a chance to run because you mentioned when things we, we understand how the, the spreads have worked this year. It's really weird in 2020, even though the injury news is dangling out there right in front of you, people are waiting to move on it until it becomes officially official. And so, like you said, we are dealing with a Cooper Cup injury. We are dealing with an Aaron Donald injury. Cam Akers left that game with something towards the end of the game where they had to finish off without Cam Akers. As you mentioned, Jared Goff already playing with this thumb issue that he had with, with everything that's going on. Like It is a massive amount of injuries that the Rams are going to be dealing with. Any one of those guys that I name, whenever they get, when they, whenever they get officially ruled out, at some point, because it doesn't look like all of them are going to be able to go. Th then this line, I think, moves off the seven. And then at that point, you're dealing with the hook. And I didn't want to be dealing with the hook. So I put the seven in the account. I feel pretty good with it. Um, it was a bye week for the Packers. So it doesn't look like there's going to be any injury news that could go against me this week. Now, we're always rolling the dice, playing, playing a spread early in the week because of the COVID situation. And, you know, I'm a little bit minimally worried about that from that standpoint i've tried to not play early in the week as much as possible because of the covid situation but again it's an aaron Rodgers led team i would imagine brett and you know we're reading between the lines here i would imagine aaron Rodgers before they broke before the bye week went and he got everyone together and said don't be friggin morons don't go do anything <laughs> stupid we're in the playoffs, go home, sit at home, order food online, do whatever. But like, like this is, we only have a few more weeks of this and then you can go lick doorknobs wherever you want to or whatever. But like, uh, let's get through the next few weeks. Absolutely. Yeah. Let, I mean, let's hope, let's hope every team is doing that. Honestly, like w w this is what you play for. 
So why yeah. take any unnecessary risks? Like, but yeah, teams on the bye obviously are. are we'll, we'll see how uh, we'll see how that all went because they're football players. They're they're young guys. Like, yeah. who knows what they're doing during these off weeks? I know. I'm just praying. I'm praying. I have the seven in my account, guys. Don't uh, don't let me down. Uh, The other game on Saturday, the Ravens and the Bills. This has opened. uh, We're sitting right now at two, two and a half, depending on where you get it. It is two DraftKings, FanDuel, points bet. It is two and a half at BetMGM. If you are looking to uh, to take the Ravens on that uh, in that game, the Bills two, 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 two and a half point favorites. We are sitting at a 50 flat on the total Brett. Um, like I said, the only number I really care about when it comes to totals is 51 with all the different ways you can make 51. So that's about the only way that's the only total that I've kind of cared about over the, over the years here. So we're sitting at 50, uh, right now. We just talked about this Ravens team and how, you know, listen, when they get things going when they get things going on the ground, they went for over 230 this past week on the ground they are really tough to stop because they just bully you. They keep the guy on the side. They, they keep the other team's offense on the sideline. They chew up so much clock and, um, you know, it's, it's tough. And then you look at this Bills team, quick strike offense, move the ball down the field, pass, 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 pass. It is a battle of two completely different styles of offense here, which makes this game pretty intriguing. Yeah, I would I would have much rather played the Steelers this week. Uh, yeah, the, the, I they, know. they really let me down last night. Yeah. I think that's a fu- I mean at least three points in line value that the Bills lost when the Browns won last night. I mean, it's just such a tougher matchup this week. The worry is that the, where the Ravens thrive offensively is where the Bills are at their worst. It's like mm-hmm. stopping the run, defending the middle of the field in the passing game. That's where the Ravens eat. Uh, this Bills pass funnel is like I said. I mean, it's. It's very apparent, and teams have been able to attack it. Like we saw the, with the Colts last week, 16 targets to tight ends last week, and they completed 14 of them. And the, the Colts did whatever they wanted on the ground, too. Why can't, why can't the Ravens have similar success against Matt Milano and these Bills linebackers who just they can't cover anybody? They, they really struggle in the run game. So, I man, the, the number I thought was inflated. I, I capped this at one. Um, the the Ravens just steamrolled the Bills last year. Uh, and because like last year, I mean, the, the Bills just can't get leverage up front. Uh, they can't stop the run. The key here, of course, the difference between last year and this year is Josh Allen. And mm-hmm. the the strides he's made here in year three, he was terrible against the Ravens last year, but he has excelled this year against two very similar style defenses. The Dolphins, the Steelers, he was great against both of them. So I can, I understand why this is two and a half. I get it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but, you know, we're seeing it now drop to two. I just, I don't view these teams all that differently in the market. So that's why I capped this Bills minus one because you do get a slight home field edge here. I think these two teams are very close. And um, I guess, I mean, the, you know, the, the difference between like two and one is like nothing. So I guess mm-hmm. early in the week, my, my, my lean would be Ravens money line. But um, I'm going to wait and see what, what happens with uh, some of the injury reports later in the week. Yeah, I mean, you, you take a look here and I mean, there was success, like we said, early on against this Ravens pass defense by the Titans. Uh, why they got away from that, I don't really know why they just insisted on running Derrick Henry into the line for two and a half yards a carry. I don't really know. You know why. Uh, well, yeah, <laughs> I, I do know why. Who was coaching that team. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you do look and it's kind of like, all right, well, you know, Josh Allen, like Marlon Humphrey was struggling, right? And like there between, between Steph Diggs, which I assume he'll draw Jimmy Smith, I guess, something like, uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't know like maybe they won't do that maybe they maybe they'll quit with the shadow cover stuff maybe I don't, I don't know but um after Marlon Humphrey had the week he the week he had this past week it seems like you don't want to put him on Steph Diggs this week so maybe they just don't do shadow coverage or whatever but um it, it's it's a with Gabriel Davis's emerging, you get John Brown back. Of course, Cole Beasley should be a week healthier, you know, uh, after, after having to miss two weeks ago and then playing this week after only limited practice. So uh, I think they will have success moving the ball through the air against this Ravens team. My, I guess my initial thoughts is kind of like you is how do they stop the rush? How, how do they stop this, this rushing attack? Like how do they stop it enough 
to where because look, they will fail, right? I mean, they're they're not going to score every single time they get the ball. Can they stop this Ravens team from at least like putting points on the board every time they get the ball? Justin Tucker, one of the very best kickers in all the NFL, you know, is this one of those things where, yeah, they might not be giving up touchdowns, but you know, Tucker's making these field goals and continues to put points up on the board over and over and over again. And then you look up and now it's too much to overcome. So um I'm with you. Initial thoughts, especially with it being at two and a half at some spots, the thought that you could do a Packers Bills teaser where you could take a Packers down to one. I mean, a uh, 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 Ravens teaser. I mean, mm-hmm. like a a Packers down to one and then a Ravens up to eight and a half. Even if the Bills do win this game, I don't see it being a blowout by any like stretch that. of the imagination. And and really, Brett, it's kind of like what we're talking about. The the nature of the way the Ravens play doesn't really lend for them to get blown out, you know? And so, um, yeah, up them up to eight and a half, I think is pretty interesting. Yeah. I like that teaser. I think that's a pretty interesting leg. Uh, might end up in my account. Also keep an eye on the weather in that game too. We're looking at snow showers, low thirties and 15 mile per hour winds that plays into the hands of the Ravens for sure. And if that starts to get worse, this total of 50, might be something you wanted to look on the underside of yeah. as well. Uh, Browns and the Chiefs on Sunday, the first game. This is a 10-point line right now, Brett. Uh, Chiefs in favor uh, of the Browns. 56 is our total. There is a 55.5 at Bet MGM. Of course, Chiefs coming off of a bye. They were one of the two teams along with the Packers to get a bye. The Browns coming off the big win over the Steelers. That being said, um, Look, I understand gritty performance by the Browns. I'm happy for those fans. I'm glad they advanced. It does not change. They still have an awful defense. They still have a terrible secondary. And now they're going to get the Chiefs coming off of a bye, completely healthy with two weeks to try to scheme up something against this team. Uh, I understand why it's a double digit point spread. I totally, completely get it. I understand why the Browns might start getting some support you know, because people remember the last thing that they saw and all that. But uh, this is a huge, huge mismatch between the Chiefs offense and the Browns defense. It is. But I feel like this also isn't a terrible matchup for the Browns because well, they, they run the ball as much as exactly, they do. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And the Chiefs are built to stop the pass because it's 2021 and that's mm-hmm. how you win the Super Bowl. Um, you know, Cleveland can kind of negate the strengths on the chiefs on the chiefs defense by doing what they do best on offense. So, I mean, that part of it, I kind of like the, I like with the Browns, but what happens if the chiefs chiefs get out to an early lead? How, how do the Browns expect to stay in this game with, with right. Baker Mayfield and really no receive. He's got Jarvis Landry in the receiving game and that that's, that's it. So this one could get ugly early, but I also wouldn't be surprised if the Browns stay in it if they get out to an early lead and play really well in that first quarter, draw up a good game plan against this defense, and who knows? I want This brings me to a point. I wanted to ask you about this. The Chiefs have been terrible. Like, they've been bad against the spread this year. They had a yeah. losing record against the spread this year, but they win every game, which like usually if, if I'm looking at a spread in the money line, like, those are correlated like value-wise. Like if, if, you, if you bet on a team to win the game you're also more likely to bet on them to cover the spread right Mm -hmm. with the is it different though with the chiefs this year i mean this is a team that really has struggled covering the spread but they're so good in these high leverage late game situations like they they find a way to win better than any other team like you can trust them to win a football game but they don't really care about covering a spread i mean that's that really doesn't i it's a it's something I thought about a lot this year because I'm always like the in the mindset of like I can't I can't bet on a team to to cover to not cover the spread but I can't like bet the money line like those are mm-hmm. always been correlated to me but is is that this can you is that true for the Chiefs this year? Yeah, I mean it's like you don't really want to be holding a Browns plus ten ticket right like you don't really want to be holding it because like deep down you're like okay. If, if the Chiefs want to win this thing by uh, whatever 20, they can win it by 20. But do, how much, what is their urge? What is their desire? Right. What is their motivation? Which is really not. I mean, listen, I know a lot of people shun on this stuff and like frown on these things. But it, it, look, it, making money is making money, right? If you're If you're very confident in the Chiefs winning the game and you're very confident 
in the Packers winning the game against the Rams. Like it takes two massive favorites. If you parlay, if you just money line parlay those two teams, it takes it down to a very manageable kind of like minus 175. And now, of course, this is how it depends on your bankroll. Of course, you know, I, I'm not going to say do this if your bankroll doesn't allow or whatever. But I mean, you take a Chiefs and Packers, you take the you take the, the spread element out of it. You don't have to worry about it anymore. And then, you know, it takes it down to to them at, at, you know, at minus what kind of like the minus 175 type scenario. So just something to think about as well. Like I don't hate, I do this in, you know, I do this in tennis. I do this in, in UFC where it's like, you know, you don't want to be laying 480 on the chiefs, you know, but you take the chiefs at 480, the Packers at 335 and it gets you down to 175. And then now it's a much more manageable bet for pretty much all bankrolls out there. So uh, I don't hate that approach either for somebody who wants some exposure to the Chiefs and Packers, but just can't really can't quite pull the trigger on, you know, the big numbers out there. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, that that's kind of one way I think you can go about it. And and hopefully, you know, you have the bankroll for a minus 175 or something like that. Yeah, yeah I like that. Um, and finally, last game on Sunday, the Bucks and the Saints. This one, what I mean, just a hell of a game on paper. The Saints opened at four and a half. It is down to three, Brett. I stuck a Bucks four and a half in my I stuck a Bucks four and a half in my account the second it opened because I figured that number was going to go away rapidly and it did go away rapidly. Now I'm just going to hope this thing gets under the three and I can just play both sides and hope this thing lands on a field goal. And then I have a winner either way. Um, that's kind of my goal here in this, but uh, it is sitting three right now in favor of the saints, a 51 and a half total again, two teams peaking at right about the right time. The saints finally get healthy. They even highlighted this during the game. I mean, uh, Drew Brees and Michael Thomas have only played 107 snaps together on the field so far this season. They had, they had a hundred receptions with each other last year. They've only played 107 snaps together, you know, this year. So finally, uh, saints all healthy. Of course, the defense playing like crazy people. And then even on the buck side, healthy addition of Antonio Brown, We see a long touchdown to him this past week again. It looks like him and Tom Brady starting to feel each other a lot better out there. And then, of course, this uh, this Bucks defense has been there all year long, though Taylor Heineke did have his moments against them. I can't wait for this game. This is going to feel like the NFC championship game. It really is. It's it's a great way to close the weekend. Um, Yeah, I like I, I I guess I understand why this opened. It's such a big number. I mean, the, the Saints dominated these the, the matchups, the two matchups against the Bucks earlier this year. But that one, that one, what was it? Monday night where they won like thirty eight to three. You can that was like a throwaway game. Like I, I'm not yeah. really too, reading too much into that. Kind of like the the Steelers last night. They just played horribly in the first few drives, and they just kind of set the tone for the rest of the game. So I'm not I'm not reading too much into that. And I think a lot of smart people are, are seeing the same thing there that. You know that that number is too big, and that's why this this is at three now. Um, but yeah, I wish I had, I wish I could have got in on that. And that that's a great number to get in on early. I mean, that's why you you look at these lines as soon as they open because you might you might spot a a freebie like you did last mm-hmm. night. Yeah, and and honestly, because I thought this thing was going to be more two and a half. To be honest with you, like I just thought it was more in that two and a half type range with the way these two teams are playing. But uh, you know, four and a half. Like I said, I stuck it in the account. Hopefully, I can get this thing under two. I can play both sides and just hope it lands on a field goal. Which this kind of feels like a field goal game to me. I mean, two really great defenses, two really good offenses. I think it's going to be just neck and neck, battling back and forth. You know, the entire time and. Maybe it's one of those whoever ends up with the ball last, you know, type situations, uh, Brett. But like you mentioned, this game to me, I, you know, Ravens and Bills is certainly going to be fun. But this this Buck Saints Saints game is is something I'm super looking forward to. Yeah, because you got the interdivision rivalry aspect to it as well, Brady versus Breeze. I mean, this is going to be so much fun. Had never have never met in the playoffs, shockingly enough, throughout the course of theirs. I mean, as good as both of these teams have been throughout the runs of both of these legendary first ballot Hall of Famer quarterbacks, they've never met in the playoffs before. That's wild. 
Yeah, pretty crazy. But uh, running down finally here, guys. So again, it's uh, Rams Packers sitting at a touchdown right now in favor of the Packers. 46 or 45 and a half is your total. Bills and Ravens, two, two and a half, depending on where you get it in favor of the Bills. A total of 50. Again, as Brett mentioned, watch the weather in that one. Maybe something can come into play in your handicapping as well. We'll be watching the injury news on the Rams side of things in that first game. On Sunday, the Browns and the Chiefs, 10-point favorites are the Chiefs. 56 is your total. Chiefs coming off of a bye, not really worried about any injuries on that side of things. But, of course, we'll see how the Browns come out from this past week's game. And finally, Bucks and the Saints. Saints sitting as three-point favorites, 51.5 or 52 your total there. Uh, really the only thing on the Buck side of things, they came out pretty clean in that game and should get Devin White back. He was not able to play in the game this past week with uh, with uh, a COVID, with the COVID issue. He wasn't able to get cleared in time. And, and Brett, you know, all things, whenever you look at those Taylor Heineke runs, if Devin White is out there, I think that is a little bit different of a scenario. It is a 250-pound linebacker that runs a 4-4. I don't know if Taylor Heineke is having the success on the ground that he has if Devin White is out there, and he is going to be out there for this game with the Saints. Yeah, Devin White hurts them sometimes because he's just he overcommits, and you know he, the guy's a bullet. I mean, he just flies yeah. at the ball. So it will. I will say it'll be nice to have him on the field to uh, to kind of negate the the quickness and, and burst of Elvin Kamara out there. But that's, again, that's also maybe Kamara can, can get by him and, and, you know, take advantage of some of white's over aggressiveness on the defensive yeah. defense side of the ball. So that that's, yeah, that's another thing, uh, another fun thing to watch this weekend. Definitely looking forward to all games this weekend. No doubt about it. Brett golf, as we mentioned is back and rolling. We see a win from Harris English. He was able to take out Joaquin Neiman in a, in the first hole of the playoff out there. Everybody was basically in contention in this one. It was a super fun tournament to watch. Listen, I like to watch the hard courses as well, but I also liked them to go out in some of these courses that, that listen, I would still struggle on. We would still struggle on normal human beings would still struggle on this golf course. Like don't sit here and think like, because these guys are shooting what they're shooting that all oh, this course is quote unquote easy. That's not what's going on. But Harris English, Joaquin Neiman, both finish at 25 under again. Uh, Harris English takes down the playoff, takes home 1.3 million dollars justin thomas third at 24 under ryan palmer 23 under xander shoffley sung jm at 21 tied for fifth but you had bryson DeChambeau in the top 10 you had john rom in the top 10 you had colin morikawa in the top 10 daniel berger so again all the names all the players were all right there in this thing super fun to watch and it was a good thing to uh to to kind of kick off golf season here Brett we're able to get to see some of these guys play I mean one of the big things John Rahm completely switched equipment coming into this season so I wanted to see how he played doesn't look like it affected him too much he goes 20 under in this tournament but again I mean that that's new drivers new irons new wedges the whole nine yards like he completely new ball even so he he completely switched everything up and does not look like that affected him in the least bit. And uh, Justin Thomas picks up where he left off Xander Bryson uh, DJ was right there as well. So everybody kicked things off as you would expect. Yeah. And that's why I I took last week off. I wanted to Mm -hmm. see how these guys kind of came back after the break and uh, really no, no, no surprises. I mean, everyone seemed to play pretty well. Yeah. The course was super easy. I love these Hawaii courses too. Cause I mean, you can mm-hmm. throw the, you can throw the, the event on your TV and it's almost like art is on your wall. I mean, right. it's just such a, I mean, it's the colors and it's just, it's just beautiful there. So we get another one here in Hawaii this week. A uh, bit of a tougher course. Yeah. Sony yeah. open. Webb Simpson is not going to have all the guys. So just so you know, Webb Simpson is going to be coming in as, as your favorite in this one. Uh, Harris English does stick around. He's going to play after his win. Berger, Morikawa, M, Matsuyama all played. They're going to be there as well. Abraham Answer, Joaquin Neiman, Cam Smith, Kevin Kisner, Ryan Palmer, Sergio Garcia, and Russell Henley. 
uh, are all in that kind of like 30 to one or under range right there. Uh, Brett, but I think the main reason I wanted to bring this up and we hadn't had time to really dig into this, uh, to this golf tournament yet, but what does happen here is I bet a lot of people are going to be starting their one and dones this week with, um, with, you know, their various pools that they're in with their friends or wherever it might be. You and I are in a cool one with friend of the uh, podcast in Pat Mayo. And so we're going to be trying to take that down and stuff. So how do you go about these things and how are you going to kind of go like, what is a, what is a strategy for you as you kind of move forward? Do you, are you looking to make sure to keep the, the super studs available for all of the majors? Are you like all that? So like you, like something like this week, you're going to be looking for someone kind of down in the middle range or something like that. Yeah, definitely keeping these studs for the majors. I have mm-hmm. multiple entries too. So I mean that's another thing mm-hmm. to consider. I can do different things with 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 each entry and that kind of change as I, you know, go through the season if I need like a long shot to to catch up to the field, I'll do that. But yeah, I I haven't really uh, a lot of it is going to be course fit if I see a guy in like the 30s or 40 to 1 range who's a great fit for the course, I would rather use him now and save a uh, Webb Simpson or a Patrick Reed for later in the year. Uh, but man, I, the, the format is, is so much fun. I've never done one of these for like a lot of money before. So I'm excited to, to do it. It's, a, it's just a different way to gamble on golf. So, I mean, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun to, to try this out. Yeah. I think the, the one thing you can do in these guys is like, you know, if you want some guidance and if it's your first time doing it or whatever, like you can at least go to the, uh, make miss the cut odds and and just kind of like look at who is favored to like at least make the cut right because you're trying to gain money and like mm-hmm. you got to make the cut to make money and so uh go check that out and like if you're saying like okay my strategy this week i don't want to play any of these guys at the top because i want to save them for later on the season i don't want to burn a guy right off the top here well go to the make miss cut odds and see, and it can give you at least give you an idea of who is it, who is supposed to make the cut in this event. Like who are the players that at least the odds makers are thinking have a good shot of being there on the weekend. And that can at least help you narrow down your player pool and help you kind of start to establish who you might want to roll out there in your one and dones and stuff. And, and and that can at least help you start to shape a strategy as well. So Brett, that's kind of one of the first things, I do in these things. It'll be the first thing I do this week as well. I'm like you, I'm going to save as many guys as I can, especially here at the beginning of the, of the year. I'm going to try to find a good mid range guy here that I think will make the cut that can at least get me on the board. And uh, a good way to start with that is just going to these make miss odds and, and seeing which of these guys are supposed to be there on the weekend. Yeah. Not a bad strategy. Definitely want guys who are going to make the cut and make at least a little money. I am probably going to be a little more blasty with, with mine and try to find guys who are like super high variance and find a guy who can actually like win or top five who nobody else is going to have. You know how I roll. Uh, but that's that's probably what I'll do for with like maybe three, four of my entries and I'll play it safe with with another entry this week. Right. Right. Um, but it'll be fun for us to kind of talk about that throughout the course of the season as well and let people know how we're sitting, how we're sitting in that thing. Hopefully we're at least in a, in a position to maybe cash and hopefully we're not talking about how bad that we've been and, and how poorly we did after this past golf season. I probably, I should have, I should have played this past year. I'd have won the damn thing. Like, like, uh, yeah, I'd have won the damn thing, but instead I'm going to, uh, I'm going to be struggling here to to start this off this golf season. Uh, it cannot be as good as the last one, but hopefully it'll be just as fun to be able to talk about all these things. But guys, uh, as we talk about uh, full written breakdowns of not only golf stuff, but all of the playoff games and of course, everything that's going on in NBA. Listen, we have an awesome new series on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash play picks. It is, listen, I was excited about it. But Brett, it's been even more, it's been even better than I thought it was going to be. It's a very quick hitter. So you're not having to invest a ton of time every day. We're talking 10, 12 minutes for you to get all the news leading into the NBA day, because listen, it's hard to, it's hard to know, you know, what went on the night before, who may or may not play, what injuries are we watching? Who's going to be filling in for the guy? What are the spreads as we sit up right now? And, and they're letting everybody know all of that stuff. And um, I've, I've been really enjoying it. And I would really suggest going in, subscribing to the page and hitting 
hitting the little hitting the little bell on there as well so you get notified as soon as this video goes live and you can be in the know throughout the course of the day as to what we're all monitoring in the course uh, over the NBA, because man, it's already been wacky, Brett. And like, it certainly helps to at least have an idea of what to be looking for. Yeah. I watch it every day. It's a great cram session for somebody who could like, like me, I don't study NBA all day. These guys mm-hmm. do. So that's who you want to be following to, to kind of stay up on, you know, who might be sitting out this week. What happens if they sit out, What's the market going to do if they sit out? I mean, they attack everything at at as many angles as possible in a very short period of time. doesn't take up an hour of your day. So, yeah, I highly recommend uh, watching the show as well. If you want to follow Brett at Brett Colson, you want to follow me at Matt Brown M2. If you want to follow the main account at the lines, us, be sure and go do all that. And again, like we said, uh, YouTube.com slash play picks as well for Brett. I'm Matt. Talk to you guys on Friday.